We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Time for some fro flushes. Yes, we are talking Jared Allen on our season review series today. And as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Blue Wire Pods. And this episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, Jack. But, you know, Jared Allen's season was kind of weird. You know, he started off really strong, had some great games in November and December, and even January, and then it kind of tailed off toward, towards the end. How would you summarize the year for Jared Allen, Jack? Yeah, to quote a piece from our guy, Matt Brooks, Nick, the things that Allen improved on were the areas that he was already good at. And mm. he didn't really show that much upward trajectory in other facets of the game. I know I've mentioned on plenty of occasions that I wanted to shoot the three ball a bit more. The three throw shooting wasn't great. But, you know, in terms of the numbers, 26 double doubles in 64 games, including a 2020 game, seven games with three blocks or more including a monster six-block performance against the Pelicans. If you look at it, you know, holistically, and you're not judging Jared Allen on the ridiculous standards that he seems to continue to be judged on, he had a pretty good season. Yeah, I mean, he improved his rebounding pretty much, you know, by one rebound per game. You know, the points stayed about the same, but that was kind of expected. And then field goal percentage even jumped up to 64%. Obviously, you know, he's not asked to do a ton, but that's a great quote from Matt because it felt that way. It felt like Jared Allen didn't really expand his game. The areas that he was already good at, he kind of doubled down on them. Maybe you could say he improved slightly in the rebounding rebounding category, but I would say it was kind of more of an inconsistent thing where some nights it felt like he was like a tenacious rebounder, and other nights it was like he was barely, you know, felt in the game. Yeah, I think rebounding is obviously one area where, you know, Jared Allen gets criticized for a bit, but I think that that's probably the area that sort of stuck out when we get to improvements. You know, there were a lot of areas that you sort of touched on in terms of his effectiveness as a, as a teammate, his effectiveness and his productivity. Um, and I think that was obviously when he got benched as well, that that was sort of a 
maybe a down mark from him. You know, when Jacques Vaughan uh, overtook the helm, it was DeAndre in straight away. And uh, at that point, you know, Jarrett was uh, playing some pretty poor basketball. So at that point, DeAndre probably did deserve to start. But, you know, yeah, up and down season, uh, as you mentioned, Nick. Are you worried at all, Jack, that, you know, being benched could hurt Jared Allen's confidence long term? Uh, long term, I think, is a little bit of a stretch. I think if you're, if you're getting you know, upset long term about, you know, a, a mid-season or late-season benching and you're not using it as, as a spur to, to fire yourself up and go, all right, I want this starting spot back. At the start of the season, you know, we heard Jared Allen talking a little bit of trash talk to uh, about the DeAndre Jordan and him sort of competing for the starting spot. He's like, "It's mine. I want this." <laughs> and you know, and DeAndre obviously we saw in the ESPN article said he was upset about it and blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, we all knew that um, Jared Allen was a far better player than him, especially in the defensive end of the floor. So, for me, uh, I mean, we we sort of. The, I, I get the reason why you're asking that question, Nick, because of the the personality type of Jared Allen. He's a little bit of an introvert, doesn't it? He sort of seems a, a bit more inward uh, and inward than outwardly sort of vocal uh, as a teammate and leader. So for me, there are reasons to sort of analyze it, but uh, if it does affect him, uh, I think that that's, um, that's something pretty weak. And, and not weak, uh, I think it's just something that should be just negligent. You know, you're a basketball player. You're going to get benched if you don't play good basketball. So you know, maybe start playing a little bit better. I don't know. And maybe that's a bit simplistic as well. Yeah, I mean, you could look at it even if you don't think it's going to have a direct impact. It could be somewhat of a turning point, not a huge turning point for his entire career, maybe more so for his Nets tenure, uh, tenure, depending on how it goes. But it's like you could either react to this and, you know, bounce back and play harder and better, or you can kind of be like accept your bench role and kind of move on, and then Nets will probably trade you. So it's definitely, you know, a dynamic where I'll keep an eye on. And obviously we didn't get the largest sample size of him coming off the bench because I think, what, DeAndre started, you know, two games when Vaughn took over. So it'll be in, you know, a storyline moving forward if he's still on the team. But what were some of your favorite Jared Allen moments of this past year? Yeah, there was some quality games. You know, I mentioned, you know, you we talked a little bit about the Charlotte Hornets game. You know, 22 points, 17 rebounds, a couple of steals in there. Had that 2020 game against Cleveland, 22 points, 21 rebounds, three assists, two steals, and two blocks. Um, for me, the the one that really does stick out is the game where he played, I believe, the most minutes of the season. And against some, I'm pretty sure Andre Drummond was playing, but he had 20 points against Detroit. 15 rebounds, an assist to steal, and four blocks in, in nearly 40 minutes of play. So uh, that one really stuck out for me. And, you know, he had a lot of games where, you know, like I sort of mentioned in terms of the, the double-doubles and such, where he was scoring 20 points on one. I think that, you know, he is simplistic in his offensive repertoire, but at the same time, he's damn effective at it. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of fits what the net scheme was, at least, you know, when Kenny was still the head coach. So, I mean, you nailed a lot of the great moments. You're talking Cleveland, Charlotte, that six-block game versus the Pelicans. Probably my favorite specific play of the season was the block on Terrence Ferguson. I don't know if you remember it exactly, but Ferguson was trying to, like, cock back for a monster dunk. Jared Allen met him at the rim, got his hand right on the ball, and then when he was done, kind of shook his head no. So that was, like, a nice, like, moment for him. Like, come on, bro. I've been blocking superstars. You're Terrence Ferguson. Exactly. I mean, he's not LeBron James or Blake Griffin. <laughs> exactly. And I, he had um the rookie in Detroit. I, his name is getting past me right now. But he had Second two. Second Boyer? 
Yes. And I also yeah. didn't want to probably pronounce it. So that's why I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he had two monster blocks on him and it was like yeah. all in like a two minute span in that Detroit game. So, I mean, I feel like Jared Allen to some extent gets overlooked for how good he is as like a rim protector. Like the blocks that he does get are like, there's only a handful of guys in the league that could really block shots the way he can, especially early in the season. It felt like at the end, maybe he tailed off, maybe he's a little fatigued dealing with some type of injury we don't know about. But he was he really gets up on his blocks like and he's got better at timing them and kind of baiting guys into getting to the rim and then just sending it to the first row. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the strengths and weaknesses, that's going to be one uh, that I'm, I'm really going to be highlighting. There's some stats that certainly do reflect that as well. Jack, what would you say? Success or disappointment for Jared Allen this year? This one was probably the hardest one to judge. You know, we've, we've essentially done, you know, Torian Prince, disappointment. We've done, you know, Spencer Dimity, Kyrie Irving. Easy ones because of, of how many games they've played. And But for me, I, I can't definitively tie it as a success or a disappointment um, because I think that he did show growth, you know, and, and despite the fact that, you know, everyone might be frustrated that he hasn't solidified himself as a starting center on a possible championship winning team, He's still in his early 20s and continuing to show growth as a player. I mean, I would have preferred him to show growth in other areas and focus on other facets of his game. But I I can't argue for for the season that we had from Jared Allen. There's going to be inconsistencies. Uh, I can't remember who was Modi Kiel or David DeFore who was sort of saying that, you know, you're not going to see linear growth from young prospects. And that's what happened with Jared Allen this season. We saw some amazing moments, but then we saw some down, inconsistent and, and lackadaisical moments from him as well. So uh, it was a success at times, but disappointing at others. I think overall, I would probably, if I'm being nice, I, I'm always the glass, I'm not actually, I'm generally actually the glass half empty guy, but I'm going to be the glass half full guy here. I think it was probably pretty successful. Yeah, I feel like it was a solid season. It's like almost right in the middle because I don't think he did anything where you're like, ah, Jared Allen, like what a terrible season. But there's nothing where it's like, wow, he drastically made a jump. You know, this is what we were hoping for. This guy is like the center we expect him to be. But like you mentioned, you know, the growth isn't necessarily linear and you don't you can't expect that type of jump. I guess for my own personal expectations, I thought Allen would take a nice jump because we saw some of the previous seasons, even from his rookie to sophomore year. I guess I'll mark it as like a slight disappointment because I had high expectations for him, but I can understand if someone said it was to success as well. Yeah, I mean, what we just highlighted in terms of the the best moments, and again, you know, he's only like a month or so off his 22nd birthday, and what 22-year-old centers in the league can you remember other than some of the all-time greats have made impacts on true winning teams? And Jared Allen did do that at moments throughout this season, but then again, obviously, he did lose that starting spot because of his lack of impact too. Yeah, I feel like that's what probably leads me to the disappointment. And I obviously that makes it super subjective is the fact that he lost a starting job to DeAndre. If he was playing at such a level like that, they couldn't bench him. I would consider it more of a success. But since it was, you know, an option to bench him and I didn't think it was like a terrible decision. I feel like it makes me lean towards disappointment a little bit more. But obviously there's other relationships and other ties that kind of led to DeAndre starting just not his play. Yeah, I would. uh, I, I think that you're right on that assumption. (laughs) <laughs> um, big surprise there uh, strengths though for Jared Allen Jack yeah so he's uh, one of the best role men in the NBA he's averaging 1.34 points per possession uh, in such instances which is first in the league amongst players with at least two and a half possessions a game there he's sixth in the NBA in contested shots per game at 14.4 eighth in NBA ESPN's defensive real plus minus 15th in block percentage so sort of highlighting what we were sort of chatting about a little bit earlier 
19th in defensive win shares. Uh, he's points scored per 100 attempt. He's in the 86th percentile. We mentioned that uh, Toyin Prince on the, on the previous episode was in like the 20th. He was scoring like 99 points. Whereas Jared Allen scoring 131.5 points per 100 possessions. Uh, he's 16th in the league in defensive rebounding percentage. Uh, and in terms of his defense, opposing players have shot only 58.9% in the restricted area. So the easiest place to score points. Uh, a mark that actually sits within the top 10 among centers who have qualified for that statistic. Yeah, I pretty much have the same stuff without the stats, you know, the rim running, the rim protection. And I think one thing that's underrated is Jared Allen's athleticism, you know, his speed, his quickness, and his vert. You know, he gets up. He's not a big that doesn't have a height. It's not like he's blocking because he's just so big. He really gets up on his blocks. And I think his speed and quickness is such a factor on the rim rolling because a lot of times he doesn't even set the screen. He just slips. And it just puts the defense in such a weird position because now they have to react so quickly to the seven footer or 6'11 guy rolling to the rim. And he has a great catch radius. So you can kind of throw it anywhere by the backboard. He's probably going to slam it. Yeah, and I think his hands did get a little bit better this year. I think that probably the season before, we were probably like, oh, why can't he get a little bit stickier? And I think for the most part, you know, he was catching a lot of those passes in the pick and roll, and, you know, the, the numbers do reflect it. And I think that his timing was probably better this year as well. Yeah. And I, obviously, that just comes with, you know, basketball experience, basketball IQ. So I think that those sort of intangible things that you sort of highlighted as well, Nick, certainly did take a jump. There is no shortage of action going on our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24/7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden bracket challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant. Bill Cartwright and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the MJ documentary on what they're calling After the Dance. Visit betonline.ag, use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. What about weakness-wise? What are you looking at? Uh, I said just consistency, which I think yep. is probably every single player that we had that had weaknesses. Um, was every single that player had. that's 22, probably too. Uh, yeah, bad, not, not a bad point there either. Um, the offensive skill set, you know, it's not necessarily a massive range. We sort of talked about it it's a little bit sort of one-minded. You know, he doesn't really do much, you know, when the, the defense collapses on him. Um, I was disappointed in his, his three-point shooting as well. You know, I really wanted him to be a guy who, who jacked up a couple. Um, and, and at that point, of the, and at that point, you know, he, he barely took it. And he, he was, I think he shot like, let's take a look how many he shot for the point. He shot less than he did in 2018-19, which for me is is something that's quite disappointing. Five days on the year. Which is, it's not enough. It's not enough at all. Um, but, you know, he probably is one of those guys who just listens exactly to what his coaches say. Like, we remember when Kenny Atkinson was like, we need more from you, Jared. He's like, okay, coach. And then the next game, he has like 20 and 15 or something. So it's just like, we don't want you to shoot threes. Okay, it's coach. And she's like five <laughs> for the season. So it's just, I think that Jared Allen needs to be a bit more instinctual in his game. And the, 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 for me, uh, another sort of disappointing factor was the, the free throw percentage. It took a massive drop yeah. from 71% in 2018-19 to 62% this season. You know, he just didn't look confident with the ball in his hands. He didn't look like he wanted to be at the line a lot of the time. 
And his free throw attempts went up this year, too. So it was even more kind of alarming. And the fact is, like, he missed a couple clutch free throws. Obviously, you can't depend on your center to always hit free throws. But there was a numerous occasions where he missed big fourth quarter free throws. And it came back to kind of bite the nets, especially because the pick and roll is such, you know, a, a consistent play for them. But touching on weaknesses, like you mentioned, Jack, you know, the toughness, the consistency, the limited offensive game. And I also feel like he should be a better perimeter defender. Obviously, he's a big, so it's not ideal. But given his skill set athletically, I think some of it's just like bad positioning. But he should be able to kind of do a better job when he gets put into switches. You know, we've seen at times he flashes a great ability. I would just like to see it more consistently. Yeah, I think that a lot of the time, it seems to me that just Jared Allen doesn't feel comfortable with certain yep. things. Uh, and that is one of them, despite the fact that he has all the all the tools to do so. Like you you mentioned with his athleticism, his sort of his lateral quickness as well for a guy who's a near seven footer. And you know, obviously because you know the the defensive role for the big man in in, in Kenny's offense, which he he played for for the large majority of the season, was you know to just like hang around the paint, hang around that sort of restricted area, hang around and just collapse. You know, you don't have to challenge those guys and, and if you are that means that the, the perimeter guys aren't doing their job for you and it means that you know that the, the defense is collapsing this the communication there isn't on point so i think that because probably he just didn't necessarily know how to do it you know and he probably didn't know the the tendencies of the the players that he was guarding on certain occasions yeah. like, okay well uh, which way is james harden gonna go i'm not saying he i have no idea if he got against james harden but i'm just saying that you know he doesn't know you know he probably wasn't looking at the scouting reports in the video with the assistant coaches uh, and, and whoever about you know perimeter guarding for, for, from a big man he was probably just focusing on okay how far do i collapse with these guys how far do they drive where are they going to take that floater game um, where are they going to take the mid-range shot so for me um, I, I get it you know i'll probably expect more from him there too I also think we were doing a rewatch, Jack, and you pointed out during the rewatch, I think it was LeBron, and he kind of allowed LeBron to go right and just kind yeah. of get to the rim instead of trying to force him left. And it's just like, you know, obviously you're not going to scout every single player in the league being only 22 years old, but that's a guy you should probably have a decent idea how to defend given, you know, he's had he's been in the league for so long. But it's just, Jared Allen's just like an interesting player. I think like just touching on the consistency a little bit more, it's like, Sometimes it feels like he almost needs a motivational like kicker to him. Like you mentioned that thing with Kenny saying like, yo, Alan, we need you to play better. He plays better. It's like something just needs to like click for him to just play at that level all the time. I'm not sure exactly what it is or if it's a coach, a teammate or whatever it is that could kind of push him to that next level. Yeah, it's it is certainly an interesting factor. You know, you, you sort of want to bottle up the the games and and times where you know him and Spencer were just dominating together on the floor, and it's just like, okay, well, what has he got there? Is it the fact that you know him and Spencer are such good friends, and every time Spencer missed a shot, you know, J Jared Allen was just able to read the offensive boards from him? Is that something? Probably, uh, or is it? You know, and obviously, you know, we heard about the sort of putting his feet up and sort of just relaxing in his in his locker room spot in home and away games. You know, that didn't work for an extended period. But, you know, what he was asked by, you know, different reporters, he was like, that's all I'm doing. I'm just sort of just chilling. Um, and maybe he needs to, a lot of guys need to sort of pump themselves up, you know, chuck on the tunes and sort of get, get you going. But maybe Jared Allen's one of those guys who chucks in a little bit of classical music, chills out and, and, and just puts the feet up. Or maybe it's just like, you know, being able to understand, you know, where his sort of emotional resonance is. You know, I don't want to get like, you know, too deep about it spiritual um, over here <laughs> yeah just trying to go okay well what do i need today how am i sort of feeling uh, what's my awareness and i'm sure you know probably 
80-90% of NBA players do some form of meditation and yoga or whatever just to sort of understand where they're at. And I'm sure Jared Allen is an incredibly switched on dude and there are different forms of that meditation. You know, gaming to, to me, you know, I don't play it. Uh, I'm not a big gamer, but I, I believe in that it, it is a, a form of meditation where you're just able to you know, get your mind focused on one area and sort of escape and sort of be present in the moment. So uh, what it is, whatever it is for Jared, I think he just needs to continue finding it and you know, obviously, it is three seasons into his career, you know, two and a half, whatever you want to call it, or two and three quarters. But, you know, he's going to be a long-term center in this league. And, you know, when we do get to where he ranks in his position, you know, I had a poll that I didn't expect to do gangbusters, but it certainly did. Uh, but he does need to make some improvements. He needs to just have that awareness about himself. But, you know, I... <laughs> I know when I was 22, I certainly didn't have the awareness about myself yet, let alone uh, in an NBA high-caliber best league for the sport in the in the entire game. So uh, I think that it's hard to be patient as patient as fans, and I think that that's what we need a dose of every now and then. And I think that that's not necessarily the sexiest thing to hear, and probably not the thing that we want to hear from a team that's challenging for a championship. But you know, everyone seems to give Nick Claxton a, a lot of credit, but I think Jared Allen had a better season than Nick Claxton. Uh, that's uh, no, I don't think that's a, a, a tough thing to say, but you know some people would just be you know drinking the Kool Aid when it comes to our boy Clax. But at the end of the day, Jared Allen still had some great moments this season, and I think we need to sort of be able to go. All right, this guy's 22. You know why are you guys being so harsh with the 22 year old? If it, if he was doing this when he's 26, and you know when you expect him to be reaching his peak, then yeah, I, I get that. I, I think that Jared Allen gets probably way too much criticism for what he does and for where he is in his career. Yeah, I agree. I think we forget that he's 22 years old because he's been a starter for so long. He's already had such a big impact. You know, we saw a huge jump last year with the blocks on superstars and like the confidence boost. And this year it was just kind of all over the place. So it's just like, we just got to chill and relax. And I think also plenty of teams in the league would be happy to have Jared Allen as their center, given his skill set in terms of like the modern NBA. Obviously, there's areas he can improve, but you kind of anticipate that. And I, I really believe that like when Jared Allen hits like that man moment where he starts like retaining muscle a little bit easier, I think it'll be such a big jump for him because one of the issues we didn't mention as much in the weakness is like he gets pushed off his spot a lot. And if you're bigger and you're heavier, you're just not going to get pushed around as much. True. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what DeAndre was there for, for whenever there were the Nikola Vucevic's of the world, the Anthony Davis's of the world, the Joel Embiid's of the world, the Nikola Jokic's of the world. But though I think, actually, Jared Allen did have an incredible game against Denver this season. Uh, I'm not sure how healthy Nikola Jokic was for that one, but I'll have to look into it. But, or conditions. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is true. You know, I think Jared Allen sort of matches up well with Jokic in, in a lot of ways. And I actually do think that there are times where he does guard him quite well. Um, and I think that a, a mental thing for, for Jokic certainly is an impact uh, too, as it is with pretty much every NBA player in the league. But yeah, I, I think that Jared Allen's always going to, I don't think he's ever going to be an incredible post defender. You know, I, we always make the comparison with his former college alum with, with Miles Turner. Um, maybe he doesn't have that three ball going as much as Miles Turner does either. Um, and and I actually, I'm pretty confident in saying that he probably won't, at least for the next three seasons in his career because he's shot like five of them this year, like you said. But he can be incredibly impactful defensively. Miles Turner was one of the best defensive players, you know, last season. This season, you know, obviously the inconsistencies in the fit alongside DeMontis Sabonis wasn't amazing. But, you know, we always like to make comparison points. I think Jared Allen's got a long career ahead of him. It depends on what his ceiling is going to be. Is he a high-end starter, average starter, low-end starter? 
uh, come off the bench guy for, for 20, 25 minutes um, and, and make an impact on that end. Um, he's going to be in the league for, for a very, very long time. Uh, but what is the ceiling? You know, there's flashes where you think, and it's just like your beliefs, what Spencer Dimity's saying. This guy's going to be a top five center. He's going to be an all-star. And then there's times where it's just like, man, you know, he deserves to be benched. And, you know, he did deserve to be benched. Jack, would you say for Jared Allen, like we'll talk about direct improvements, but would you say it would be better for him to focus more on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball in terms of improving and potentially hitting that ceiling? I think it's offense, Nick. I think defense is something that you just sort of have, you know, mm-hmm. and probably we we mentioned a lot of the time, you know, it's a lot of it is effort. You know, you, you can't necessarily, you know, if we're making comparison points to other guys in our roster, you know, Torian Prince has a, a lot of sort of intangible elements that are like, oh man, this guy can be a great defender, but then he's just, his IQ and his awareness and his engagement isn't there. Joe Harris doesn't have all those tools that we sort of, you know, allude to, but he certainly shows the requisite effort. Whereas I think Jared Allen is probably the best defender on our roster. Mm. Um, and, and it has been the best defender on the roster for the last two seasons. And because, you know, you just look at all the defensive highlights that he produces, you know, the, the numbers that we were alluding to just then in terms of like defensive win shares, you know, and there are there is no perfect metric to decide how impactful a defender is and uh, how a player is on the defensive end of the floor. But Jared Allen is definitely impactful. You know, he can certainly have some bad defensive games. And I think part of it is, is, is the scheme. You know, the, the simplification of the scheme is, is not necessarily, I think, allowing Jared Allen to flourish. Uh, in, in some ways, you know, the sort of just really conservative sort of scheme. Whereas I think Jared Allen in a bit more of a switchy scheme uh, that, that, you know, Jarfon did institute a, a little bit in, in the games that he coached, I think would be great for him because it allows him to just sort of go, you just play basketball on the defensive end and we trust you. And I, I think that you know, there was just too much of a narrow sort of mindset for, from what they wanted from him. You know, the defense, I think, is solid. You know, he, he just has the awareness. He has the nous there. Whereas the offensive side, you know, free throw shooting, three-point shooting. If he was to shoot 30% on the year, shoot one a game, I'd be bloody happy. If he was to shoot like 28%, it just shows to me that he's like at least got the confidence to take it. But if you're not taking them, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And he didn't take, you know, probably... There were probably moments for him to, to take so many more and he just chose not to or he dished it off. You know, sometimes he's passing as well. You know, can can be, you know, he has some, sometimes some high turnover rate games. Um, you know, the, the the stats don't reflect that. But, you know, on a game-by-game sample, it's just like, what are you doing with the ball in your hands there, Jarrett? Uh, I think he has gotten better there as though. Um, obviously, that just comes with experience. But, yeah, for me, I think it's offensive because if I think if he can become, you know, uh, a weapon outside of this, the simplification and uh, in the offensive repertoire and can shoot some threes more and become that 72, 73% free throw shooter, then, you know, his, his offensive um, value is just immense. Yeah, I agree. I think defensively, he's really not far off from being a really, really good defender. It's just like that perimeter switching, if you can get better at that, a better feel for the game, and like we mentioned, a little stronger. But offensively, it's kind of, I don't even think he has to like drastically improve. If he just had like a better offensive touch, not just at the rim, but like in the paint. So if you like gave him the ball at the elbow, he could take one step in and hit like a floater or like a hook or like a push shot or something. It just feels like he's so limited to just like strictly layups and dunks that it kind of hurts the offense. Another thing he does offensively that kind of drives me nuts sometimes is he'll bring the ball down and then it'll get stolen where it's like you're all right there just put it back up or pass it out like he gets a little bit like nervous with the ball and the paint on occasion and I feel like if he improved that area that'd be pretty big for him but any specific things you want to see directly for Jared Allen next season if he's on the net still um I think the thing for me Nick is if he's in the pick and roll 
Kyrie Irving, he's going to be getting a lot of possessions and he's going to be mm. creating a lot of space. He'll, he'll be finding the ball a lot. So I think just, you know, probably a lot of one-two action, one-five action, practicing those those sets with Kyrie and, and the other guys out there and what to sort of do. And, you know, going up against DJ in, in a lot of instances and dunking on him, you know, just showing a bit more confidence and, and ferocity and purpose on that end. And, you know, making the, the quick pass outs. You know, there's just sometimes where, you know, probably a lot of NBA players suffer from this. They just get stuck in their heads. It's just like, okay, mm. what do I do here? You know, what what do my teammates want? How do I make this better for, 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 for the superstars? Which is like, you're a basketball player. You're one of the best 450 basketball players in the world. You're meant to be here. You know, you just play your game and just play on instinct. And, and I think a lot of that is easier said than done, especially at the early points of his career. But yeah, and I guess I'll harp back to, you know, the three-point shooting. Not necessarily sure. In an ideal world, you know, I want that three-point shooting to be somewhat of a weapon. You know, Jordan Bede shoot like 31% there for his career or whatever. But, you know, guys still fall for that dumb pump fake uh, <laughs> at the end of the day. And for me, yeah, I, I guess because, you know, we saw a, a minor uptick in, in his free throw uh, distribution, you know, get back to the to the 70% sort of mark. Because if, you know, if you're shooting 70% as, as a big man, that's great. If you're shooting 62%, you know, you're, you're pretty poor. I'm not poor, you're, you're average. And, and I don't think Jared Allen is an average free throw shooter. I think that that was a real strength of his coming into the NBA. I think his first season, uh, if I double, double check it, I think it was like 77%. Yeah, almost 78%, obviously, only on two attempts a game. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he's shown that he can be a very good free throw shooter. Uh, and I think a lot of it is probably, you know, the mental aspect. We did discuss it a little bit with Spencer Dinwiddie too. Yeah, I think confidence, I think, is a thing for Jared Allen going to next year. But toughness and strength, specifically lower body strength, like I mentioned, like getting pushed off his spot, I think if he is a little bit stronger down low, it should help him. Uh, the perimeter D, you know, I feel like if he's like a really, really good defender, they're going to end up wanting to close games with him over DeAndre Jordan if he's still on the team. And then, like I mentioned, that touch in the paint, I don't think it has to get all the way out to the elbow, but at least something where if he gets the ball in the paint, he can kind of just drop it in. And some like we saw at times this year and last year, or like, he'd shoot a hook shot or something and he like wouldn't hit rim and like you're six eleven, you have a great vert. You should be able to kind of get up and get yourself in a position where you're making that shot, you know, two out of three times, you know, being that size. And then also, like you mentioned, Jack, some hope for the three ball. Maybe we don't see it a ton, but at least start taking attempts like every other game. Cause it's not going to kill you, especially in some of these blowouts or in like the second quarter, first quarter, whatever, just pull it up. You know, you got that open corner three, hit it. You know, if Tristan Thompson's taking him, then come on, Jared. Andre Allen. Drummond's taking him too. Like, Andre Drummond's <laughs> taking him. Exactly. Come on, Jared. You you got you've got a better stroke and a better probably free throw confidence, which is the direct correlation that our guy Dave DeFore says uh, about three point shooting. So you know, get it going. A hundred percent. Now, Jack, if he's on the team next year, what's an ideal lineup for Jared Allen? Um, I think Jared would fit perfectly with the starting lineup. You know, when it's an ideal lineup for X player that we have in our sort of rundown and template. All I really put down was he just needs a quality point guard. You know, he, yeah. and it allows him, his strengths, you know, as, as a passer out of the pick and roll. Kyrie Irving's great at that. I think he doesn't get enough credit for, for his passing game. I know, again, Matt Brooks did a, a nice little piece for, for Net Sally about, you know, his sort of superstardom. So for me, all he needs is a quality point guard. And you, you put it around Joe Harris and whoever else, Kevin Durant, you know, Wilson Chandler. Jared Allen fits fine. You know, at the end of the day, he's not going to be the number one focal point in the offense. He's going to be a, a, the guy that's creating space for others. How does he, you know, create lanes and and, and, and space for, for guys like Spencer Dewey and Karis Severt who, who love to drive? How is he going to create that little bit of space on the perimeter for Kyrie Irving to get some extra three-point shots up? And I think Jared Allen is really good at that. So... I think that he would be fine in this team. I think a lot of the 
improvements and and fit sort of questions are about him individually and his sort of impact and his sort of productivity it's not necessarily about you know oh, he doesn't fit with this team he needs to be traded we need a, a bigger bruiser guy it's just like well Jared Allen is still a really really good player and obviously if we were to go into next year's season with him or if you know if he, he's to make an impact in in the playoffs in Orlando if, if and when that happens you know I'm still gonna be pretty happy because I I'm, I'm still a, a pretty big believer in this kid yeah, I feel like Jared Allen, if you put him in a lineup, let's say Kyrie, Karis or Spencer, doesn't really matter. You have Joe Harris at the three, KD at the four, and you legitimately have, you know, four out. And then you have Jared Allen running the pick and roll with either Kyrie or Spencer or Karis and the other guys on the wing. The problem that it, the reason it didn't work this year when they did that is because the guy in the corner was Torian Prince or Garrett Temple and teams didn't really feel fear them as much where they'd be willing to give up that open three. So that guy could crash down. But with Jared Allen's speed, if you have that type of talent on the perimeter in terms of three point shooting, his quickness and rolling to the rim creates such a problem for the opposing team. Like there's only so much you can do, especially when you have such a dynamic ball handler and pick and roll ball handler and Kyrie or Karis, whoever it might be, specifically Kyrie with his pull up three. The amount of pressure on the defense, I'm not really sure how you can defend that, you know, safely. You're just kind of giving up a three-point shot or you're just hoping your rotation could be quick enough to react. But given Jared Allen's speed on the rolls, it just makes such a huge impact on the game. Yeah, basically, you hit the nail on the head there, Nick. I, I really want to see it, too. That's why, like, one reason I want to see Orlando, I want to see the Nets in the playoffs, I want to see KD and Kyrie healthy, not because I just want to see KD, obviously, in a Nets uniform, but I want to see how some of these pieces work before they're moved because there is a possibility there could be some lineups the Nets could create that would be extremely problematic for other teams. Yeah, big time, absolutely. Now, Jack, uh, where does Jared Allen rank at his position? All right, so I put out a tweet yesterday, just last night morning, and did not expect this poll to get the traction that it did, Nick. I thought it was just like, a, again, I, I tend to put out probably a little too many polls on my timeline, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a big fan of them. And I sort of had, which center would you rather have on your team? And I probably picked four guys that I think are in a similar sort of realm of, of talent for, and sort of fit. And I think all of them have different strengths and weaknesses. And it depends on how you judge the, the value of a center. Uh, Jared Allen, Mitch Robinson, Maxi Kleber, or Kleber, I'm not sure how, um, again, I'm probably uh, mispronouncing it. Uh, and well, I feel a lot Bateman. less bad about pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I put those four guys in there. You know, you can chuck in probably some other guys. I sort of looked look through some stats or whatever. Didn't necessarily put him in a, in a number ranking, you know, maybe 15 to 20 range, 15 to 25 is where Jared Allen sort of ranks right now. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but out of those guys, Nick, um, did you put down a vote? Did you vote? Well, since I looked at it directly from who like best, who would you want on your team, I went yeah. with Maxi in this situation, given his yeah. skill set because of the three-point shooting and what he provide. I mean, there's an argument. I think Jared Allen could be the better player, depending on your skill, but I like Maxi's offensive game, and it's not like you're giving up a ton of rim protection. He's not the rim protector Jared Allen is, but he can still block shots. Definitely. Um, I think that Maxi Kleber, in terms of fit, you know, I, I had an immense amount of response uh, for him. I didn't know I had a, a Dallas Mavericks standage uh, in my follow account. But, you know, obviously, I think Maxi Kleber is one of the more underrated guys in the league. Um, I think, was it Nolan or Matt who's a big stand for, for Maxi? One of our dudes. I think is, they both are actually pretty big fans uh, of him. Uh, that doesn't surprise me either. But, you know, uh, I think that Maxi Kleber would be a nigh-on perfect fit in our front court. You know, if he's to be the starter and, and, you know, 
a D, DJ is going to come off the bench or if DJ is going to start it and Maxi sort of finishes. I also think Maxi wouldn't care if he's coming off the bench because he did for such a large portion of the season. It was Dwight Powell until the, the injury, the Achilles injury happened where he was sort of forced to start. You know, he's fit all uh, along famously next to, to uh, Chris Atspozingas in the front court. And, you know, I, I'm a big I'm a big proponent for Derek Favors. I think he's going down, but I think, you know, in terms of the veteran sort of savvy and leadership that he provides and just, I think he's a really, really good defender and I think he has, you know, an offensive game to him. Um, and I, I obviously, I, I was expecting a little bit more love for him. Mitchell Robinson, uh, I think in terms of a future prospect, I, I totally get why he got the love that he did because he is going to be a, he already is a great young talent. And despite the fact that I'm not the biggest fan of that handle right now, uh, <laughs> I think he, he has a, a, a tremendous ceiling to be one of the best uh, defensive big men you know, in, in the game. Uh, and if, if he doesn't necessarily improve his offensive game, he can still be an absolute stud on, on the defensive end. And you know, Jared Allen obviously probably got the majority of the votes because uh, I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan and a lot of my followers are probably Brooklyn Nets fans too. Um, but yeah, it was a large sample size, you know, nearly 500 votes as well. But you could certainly, I reckon, probably make an argument for any four of those guys on the Brooklyn Nets or on any other team for that matter. Yeah, I would probably say my argument for Maxi would be if I'm looking for somebody who can kind of complement my offense and not be terrible defensively, Maxi's not a bad option. If I'm looking for someone who's like more defensive minded and like really going to help my rim protection and just kind of race shots down low, I'd probably go with Jared Allen. Mitchell Robinson, could you make the same argument for? He's just a little bit less polished where he's probably a better shot blocker. You know, he's probably, you know, has a better rebounder, a better body, but he just doesn't necessarily have the basketball IQ, the feel, the positioning and fouls a little bit too much right now. And Derek Favors is kind of like a combination of everything. Like he's probably has the best overall skill set because defensively he's got it, rebounding he's still got it, and offensively you're getting more than you're getting with Jared Allen and Mitchell Robinson, but not, not quite maxi. Yeah, uh, it's. The, I think there's probably some other guys that you could put it, put in that realm as well. But you know, I would be if you look at the the 2020 2021 Brooklyn Nets with any four of these guys on the roster. I think Maxi probably gives you the best ceiling because you know I think he has the the most versatile and malleable skill set on both ends of the floor. You, know, you can make an argument that he is uh, one of the more impactful defenders. He's probably the best defender on um, outside. The, well, Pazingas can has has a tremendous ceiling, but sometimes you know Maxi's a bit more consistent than he is yeah. uh, in, in a lot of realms, and maybe that's partly because he's he's coming up against second units too. Um, but yeah, any four of these guys, you know, Jared Allen. You know, I, I, I think that this sort of stat reflects, this sort of poll reflects that, you know, there are still a lot of people that are in on Jared Allen, um, whether it be on the Brooklyn Nets. I, I personally think that he still fits well. It's it's more up to sort of him. Um, and I guess he is probably the most likely guy to be traded in whatever package. I think every single person who has a, some sort of following on Nets Twitter has put out a package that includes Jared Allen. But... Yeah, any four of these guys would be great. Jared Allen would be great. And, you know, I think Jared Allen is going, like I sort of said, he's going to be good to great in whatever franchise that he does land on and he does continue to uh, flourish his career on. Jack, with that said, what is the percentage Jared Allen is on the Nets next season? All right, percentage, man, uh, at it again. <laughs> um, I'm still, like, kind of 50-50 on it, but I'll probably lean towards lesser. So... Let's go 45-55 um, because, you know, I think that there, as the days go by, there's probably, I'm, I'm probably growing in my 
likelihood or confidence. You know, I obviously have absolutely no inside knowledge, despite the fact that Sean Marks is in my hemisphere. Um, <laughs> I'm going to just say 45-55 because I don't necessarily know if the Nets will make any trades. I think they might just get make some free agency sort of moves to make additions on their roster. So, yeah, I'm, um, I'm still, I guess, maybe that's probably high for some people. If I alter the question to being on the roster by the 2021 postseason, does your percentage change at all? Like, you know, obviously including the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd it, it probably increase, Nick, you know, because, you know, there's there's certainly a chance for where it's just like, oh, okay, this center experiment having two quality starting level guys just doesn't work. We need to invest our assets elsewhere and get someone else who can provide a bit of value in other positions on the floor, you know, whoever it might be. So then it'd probably increase to, to maybe a 60-40. Um, and, and obviously there's a, a very high likelihood if it's if Jared isn't showing improvement and isn't sort of making an impact. If he continues to play the the way that he was in the last 10 games of the season, then that number becomes like 70%. Uh, but if he you know gets back to a semblance of the, the best basketball that he can play, then I'm pretty confident because I think he still has value to add to any NBA team. But at the end of the day, there's there's so many different circumstances for this Brooklyn Nets team, and I guess that's why that we've allowed uh, been been lucky enough to have so much content to, to sort of discuss is because this team can take so many routes with so many different individual players to sort of improve the roster, stay fit, or stay pat, and sort of see where they go from there. Uh, so many different scenarios for this team, and and that pertains to Jared Allen in a lot of ways because he's become the the sort of trade machine Dalek of Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I think just like the other factors you mentioned, DeAndre being on the team, having a relationship with Kyrie and KD, and having a very similar skill set, if not close to being identical, and given like the certain skills and what they excel at. So I just think it increases the likelihood he's traded. And the fact that after next season, he'll be due for a new contract. Obviously, the Nets hold his rights being a restricted free agent, but he's still going to want a decent-sized deal. Honestly, I would probably say there's like a 65% chance he'll be traded and a 35% chance he'll be on the team. And I could probably even increase my likelihood of him being traded to like 70% and, you know, the other one 30%. I just think yeah. given the contract situation and DeAndre already being there and then like, I don't know if it's necessarily super productive to have both the guys with the same skill set when there's an opportunity to possibly add another center that could shoot threes or complement KD better offensively. You're not wrong, Nick. Um, and Sean Marks is going to be, you know, I think a lot of us are we're trying to chill and just survive in quarantine. But uh, Sean Marks is probably doing his work and getting into the trade machines, sending a few texts to a few different GMs and assistant GMs out there. Uh, it'll be, you know, in intriguing to see how this uh, Brooklyn Nets team continues to, you know, uh, mesh and mesh over the coming year or so and how that roster, I guess, sort of fills out. Yeah, and obviously, like we kind of hinted at earlier, if the Nets do play in Orlando and they do have a postseason and we see healthy guys or we don't see healthy guys, it's kind of another opportunity for Sean Marks and the Nets to kind of showcase some other young town and maybe increase some of that value or possibly decrease it depending on how things go. But, Jack, that wraps it up for the Jared Allen season review. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, 
we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.